Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are Sharp Smith, our technology editor, John Celentano, our business editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. The 2022 Volume 3 issue is available now. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com intelligence. So, John, you had a big CapEx story this week. You want to recap that? Uh, yes, I did, uh, Leslie. You know, um, cap- capital expenditures, uh, CapEx is one of the most closely watched mex- metrics in the industry. And the reason is it's an indicator of what the um, mobile network operators are doing to expand and upgrade their networks. Um, and it has implications for suppliers, contractors, consultants and even us as publishers it's basically how we all get paid but we pay close attention to it because it does show uh, the trajectory that the industry is moving and uh, we did a, a, a in-depth analysis of the uh, capital expenditures uh, at the end of the first quarter in uh, in our uh, one of our uh, intelligence reports where we looked at um, uh, what the we compiled what the carriers were saying about what they intended to spend in 2022 and what their outlook was for the next several years. And, and basically what it shows is that we peak in 2022. This, uh, this year is a culmination of um, high level of 5G deployments across all the mobile network operators, plus an incremental $10 billion uh, just for C-band. And so that's driven the, the aggregate close to $50 billion, which is a record for the U.S. market. Uh, once that, um, and, and we, we're seeing that from um, Verizon's reporting today, once that C-band activity reaches a certain build-out point, which will pretty much end at the end of 2022, a little bit into 2023, then we see that the aggregate capital expenditures start to come down. And, um, and as some 5G bills at a macro cell level start to plateau, then we'll see a, a pickup in, in small cell deployments, but uh, not at the same level of expenditure that we've, um, you know, we would have seen in the past couple of years. So it kind of tails off. But what we didn't include in the analysis and what will have, I think, a significant upside is, you know, um, incremental additions from uh, several, several other components, one being um, the, there's no, uh, in, in the forecast we showed, we did not include any funding contributions from either BEAD or ARDOF or other government programs that are in place. Um, at the same time, um, you know, we haven't ca- factored in what the tower companies themselves spend on upgrading and maintaining their towers on behalf of their customers. Um, uh, and, and, and as well, we didn't include a, a $4 billion figure that AT&T is utilizing from vendor financing. So 
you know, the outlook is still pretty positive. We will we'll come down off the peak in 2022, but I think we'll be at above historical levels the next three, four or five years as the, the carriers expand their reach and densify their networks and start to layer on new services. Um, uh, uh, we did not include any private network uh, uh, CapEx in this as well. So that's also incremental to, you know, the suppliers and the contractors that that are that are actually doing the work and supplying the product. So our outlook is positive. I think uh, we're, it'll, it'll stay uh, at a high level for a while and, uh, and we'll continue to monitor it with each uh, quarter. Uh, we never, you know, we it's hard to forecast quarter to quarter activity, but so far we've heard from uh, AT&T, Verizon and, and Crown Castle, and um, all of them are sticking to their guidance for the year as far as what their outlook is in, in investing in the network. So the, it's a pretty good story. We're trying to keep, um, uh, you know, our, our understanding of what that number, what those numbers look like and make sure our readers understand as well uh, um, uh, what that investment level uh, is and uh, what the outlook is. And then uh, you're going to talk about AT&T, a little quick wrap up of that. Well, yeah, AT&T reported this year, uh, this year, <laughs> their third quarter results uh, this week. Uh, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> they they came out with uh, a positive, a steady, steady growth outlook. Uh, their two main initiatives are, are 5G and fiber. And uh, right now, their 5G mid-band coverage, uh, particularly with C-band, uh, reaches 100 million people. And they expect by the end of the year, they'll be up to about 130 million pops, <clears throat> which is a pretty, a pretty good aggressive build out and a pretty good story. Um, they saw growth in both their uh, postpaid and prepaid subscribers. Uh, uh, their base now is up to almost 103 million. Uh, that's up about 4% uh, or, or over a year ago. And um, their wireless uh, service revenues grew around 5.5% uh, to uh, 15, a little over 15 billion. And their EBITDA is up about the same percentage as well. Um, they continue to invest in fiber as a, as a growth area, fiber to the home in particular. Uh, right now, they, um, um, they, uh, the total homes passed with all their plant, copper and fiber is uh, nearly 14 million. Um, uh, I'm sorry, they have nearly 14 million connections of which fiber is about 5%. And that's, trend, that's flipped over from uh, over the 50% mark for the first time. Um, they're gaining uh, over 200,000 fiber net ads every quarter. And this quarter, they uh, they added to 338,000. But they uh, their goal is to to uh, build out uh, their fiber passings or homes pass to um, um, eight, uh, eight, eight, 18 and a half million um, this year. And their target uh, by 2025 is that they'll achieve more than 30 million homes passing. And their their percentage of penetration on those in terms of the actual connections they make for paying subscribers is around in the 35 to 40 percent range. And that's a, a sort of a target range for them. So one one thing their president and CEO, John Stanky, did say that they were not going to do, uh, or at least he didn't make a, a commitment to, is that one is... Um, that there, um, there was some talk about maybe doing a joint venture uh, with a company to install fiber outside AT&T's operating territory. He didn't commit to that. They said they look at all 
possibilities. And the other, another, they got another question about, well, are you going to deploy fixed wireless access like Verizon and T-Mobile are doing? And um, basically, Stanky said, "Look, uh, you know, it's in our it's in our toolkit. Uh, we'll um, we'll offer it where it makes sense, uh, given the geography and the applications of the homes. But he said it's it's not going to be, uh, you know, uh, available to uh, their AT&T's entire nationwide base of customers. They're they're not going to go at it in the same way that AT&T, I'm sorry, that uh, Verizon and T-Mobile are doing." But it'll it'll be there and they'll deploy it selectively. So I thought that was an interesting uh, revelation that uh, um, you know not all mobile network carriers are adopting the same strategy and taking the same tack. But um, uh, no, they're um, they did although they didn't update their financial guidance, they did confirm that they're on track to to spend an aggregate. Uh, this is wireline, wireless, and the, what they get from vendor finances to spend the the twenty four billion in capex that they stated earlier. And um, and um, then they'll update <clears throat> with their fourth quarter results. They'll update what the outlook is for uh, for next year. But, um, you know, a steady, steady, strong growth uh, and, um, you know, um, just uh, sticking to the fundamentals and sticking to their 5G and fiber strategy. So it's um, uh, interesting development. Thank you, John. And you, uh, I wanted to mention you attended the DC premiere uh, vertical freedom this week. How was that? Uh, interesting uh, um, uh, gathering. Uh, I was asked to moderate a, a panel of um, uh, presenters that uh, got into a discussion about work, wireless workforce development. Um, we had uh, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr on the panel, along with uh, Nate CEO Todd Schleckway. Um, and uh, Tom Kane, who's the CEO of uh, NBNC, uh, he's also the chair of the WIA uh, Wireless Workforce Development Committee. Uh, and um, um, Kevin Kennedy, who's uh, CEO of uh, Warriors for Wireless. A uh, lot of activity, a lot of initiative and uh, programs being put in place to attract, uh, train and retain um, individuals to perform the actual uh, work in the field on towers and uh, uh, putting in fiber and uh, and and really building out the infrastructure that it needs. So it was uh, fairly well attended. We had uh, uh, a number of people from associations and companies in the in the DC area. Um, we had, you know, like I said, the panel had a just a brief presentation at the front end, and then we we um, you know we saw the movie. And if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, it's uh, it's very interesting. I think it profiles uh, some real life stories of individuals that have gotten into the business and um, and they relate what their experience is and um, and uh, with their with their commitment to the businesses. So, yeah, it was a, a good event, um, uh, nicely attended and uh, gave us an opportunity to uh, to participate. And we are thankful for that. Uh, we appreciate Nate's uh, invitation to attend. All right. So the FCC is poised to block the sale of new telecom equipment from Huawei and ZTE in the United States. They've already um, said you can't use federal uh, dollars to buy the equipment, but this is a, another step in closing all the loopholes on that. They are set to vote on the rules that would forbid the sale of new electronics produced by companies on the so-called cover list. That's a list of companies that pose a security threat to the United States. 
Um, it's unlikely the ban would stop the sale of equipment that the commission has already approved. That's according to sources that talk to the New York Times. And it would be the latest step by the country to cut off Chinese tech companies from American consumers, contracts, and supplies. Um, this is over concerns that they could leak sensitive data to the Chinese government. And the commission has tried to help reimburse small telecoms to remove the gear from their networks. This is rip and replace, but there's a huge shortfall between the 1.9 billion that Congress authorized and the 308 billion that's needed. A bill to release more money is stuck in Congress. And the reason the, that grew is because originally rip and replace was for small telecoms. But then it got enlarged to companies with 10,000 or, or fewer uh, customers. And uh, Huawei, going back to Huawei and ZTE, neither one of them wanted to comment on this. Brendan Carr said um, the FCC has determined that Huawei, ZTE, and similar gear uh, pose an unacceptable risk to our national security. That's why I've called for the FCC to stop reviewing and approving that equipment for use in the U.S. Um, another story I worked on this week was more political. Um, if the Republicans win control of the House of Representatives in the midterm elections next month, Representative Kathy McMorris Rogers, a uh, Republican from Washington State, she is now the top Republican on the House Energy and Commerce Committee. So if Republicans take control of the House, she could be chair of that committee. She wrote to FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel recently, signaling that the agency should stick to its marching orders from lawmakers and not stray out of their lane, even if the commission seats a third Democrat during the lame duck session of Congress. Um, Quick recap, you know, Gigi Sohn's nomination had, uh, has not made it out of the Senate Commerce Committee. That's because they don't have the votes yet to get it to the floor. And nobody wants to touch any of the uh, nominations for anything in the administration until after the election. So that's going to be stuck for a while. But getting back to um, what McMorris Rogers wrote, she said, as the Committee of Jurisdiction overseeing the FCC, I can assure you the committee and its members will exercise our robust investigative and legislative powers uh, to not only forcefully reassert our responsibilities, but to ensure the FCC under Democrat leadership does not exceed congressional authorizations. She said that in recent years, the FCC has taken it upon itself to misinterpret its authority to initiate rulemakings with economic and political significance, that was in quotes, that fit in the chair's political leanings. So uh, Rogers didn't say specifically what congressional authorizations she thinks the agency has gone overboard with. She cited it, uh, a case, um, a recent Supreme Court decision. Um, McMorris Rogers asked Rosenworcel for a list of all kinds of rulemakings and other decisions that the FCC is thinking about or is actually working on. Rosenworcel 
wrote back that I can assure you the FCC takes seriously the responsibilities entrusted to it by Congress under the law. She uh, included a list of pending and expected rulemakings and the specific congressional authority for each one. She also included a list of pending and expected declaratory rulings on delegated authority by an FCC bureau or office. And, you know, remember, Rosa Morsel was a creature of Congress. She was on the Hill for many years, so she understands how all this works. So, Sharp, you're going to talk about getting robots on the manufacturing floor. Yes, Leslie. Uh, <clears throat> the um, Erickson held a two-day event uh, uh, this week that uh, where they, they called it Imagine Possible. And it's in Santa Clara, the same place where their, their uh, uh, technology incubator uh, lab is, is located. And uh, they invited uh, uh, people from uh, the industry, uh, OEMs, networks, uh, developers, uh, basically because before many of the promises of 5G uh, can really come about, uh, all these folks need to... Uh, uh, sort of open up the network and and work on protocols uh, so they can collaborate on the applications that are going to uh, to uh, to run on the network. You know, a lot of the the uh, the 4G LTE uh, uh, applications uh, were uh, pretty simple by uh, by comparison with uh, uh, in this case. Uh, you know, opening up uh, uh, the network's assets to uh, to to operate, uh, you know, robots or drones or um, uh, you know, extended reality, the metaverse. Uh, this is a lot more complicated than hailing uh, a cab uh, over over Uber, and uh, so it uh, it's really something that. Uh, a lot of folks are going to have to work on be able to transmit industrial protocols over over a network that then go to uh, go to uh, uh, whatever IoT device uh, needs to be uh, activated and uh, and hopefully uh, do what they want it to do um, and. Why, why this is important is uh, uh, with 5G technology being rolled out, uh, random, man, man, random manufacturers like Ericsson are expanding their focus uh, beyond just selling, uh, selling the, uh, the, the basic network to facilitating the next generation applications that will run on the high speed, uh, low latency networks. And uh, it should be noted that uh, uh, they, the, the bottom line on this is really the bottom line. The carriers are going to need to, uh, to monetize these networks, uh, to pay, uh, for billions of dollars of spectrum and, uh, and I don't know how much money, uh, that they've spent on, uh, on, on the equipment. So the 4G, the 4G, uh, windfall that they thought would happen really didn't happen. Uh, the app economy that everyone talks about uh, made uh, uh, 
made some people a lot of money, but they were uh, they were folks like uh, like I said, like Uber and uh, uh, and uh, you know it brought us uh, banking, uh, mobile banking. Uh, you know, all those applications really didn't put a lot of money in the uh, in the network's uh, uh, coffers. So uh, this is a uh, this is something that's really crucial for uh, for the networks. And um, uh, I think uh, Ericsson uh, is that a is that a what they call the a middle point. They're 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 able to uh, orchestrate. Uh, a lot of the uh, other OEMs and and the developers and the enterprises, they can sort of bring them together to uh, uh, to make these systems work. And uh, uh, I spoke with Jan Soderstrom. Uh, he's, uh, if I can check my notes here, he's Ericsson's VP and head of advanced technology and industry. And uh, uh, he said that, uh, it's it's something that uh, will will help uh, it will help Ericsson sell more equipment, uh, but uh, it's really something that uh, uh, that the industry just needs as a whole for it to uh, continue to move forward, and for us to see uh, all the uh, all the G Wiz uh, products that we've been talking about for uh, for five G and. Uh, in particularly noted that uh, the first the first areas where you're going to be seeing APIs is uh, uh, private 5G uh, network. So it's a uh, it's a place where uh, you've got companies that can really uh, really uh, save money and increase their productivity and efficiency, uh, and they'll they'll spend good money to do that. Uh, so I think that's where the money is. That's where the low-hanging fruit is. And um, it's also a situation where, where you have, uh, you can control the quality of service and, uh, and make, these make these systems work the way they're supposed to. So, uh, uh, so yeah, as far as uh, being a, a, a jumping off point where you can see um, the uh, the blueprint of what 5G will uh, look like in the future. This uh, imagine imagine uh, possible. It's really a good place to uh, to look. You can uh, you can actually go online and and watch uh, two days worth of uh, of uh, sessions and find out about everything from uh, the metaverse, extended reality, um, and and really the, the, the global IoT con connectivity, I think that will be the basis for a lot of the, the 5G uh, uh, solutions. And another conference that uh, uh, occurred uh, last week, uh, it's called the Millsat Symposium. Uh, companies like OneWeb, Inmarsat and Kaimeta uh, talked a lot about uh, uh, how uh, SpaceX, SpaceX, the SpaceX Starlink system is uh, uh, being used uh, to great advantage uh, by the Ukrainians and uh, in their war with uh, with Russia, and uh, uh, the uh, that that success has uh, probably, as far as Leo satellites are concerned, that might be the first 
real military application uh, for for LeoSats. And uh, in fact, the uh, uh, the Air Force was inspired by that and has uh, uh, awarded uh, Starlink with a 12-month, uh, 1.92 million dollar contract for its Europe and African uh, communications. So it was really uh, the conference was a lot about how OneWeb, Inmarsat, and Kaimeta uh, are also. Uh, uh, projecting uh, money coming in for uh, for their for their networks, which is uh, it seems like with satellites we all we always start off talking about uh, you know uh, uh, trust uh, uh, usage by by uh, by the by the public how they're going to be able to use their sat phones or their regular phones to uh, to use satellites, and the military always looks at it and goes yeah. I think uh, I think we can use that too. So it's uh, uh, it's another sort of uh, situation where you see uh, you see a lot of uh, military use uh, coming in and uh, using also funding uh, the satellite networks, which uh, is uh, good news for the satellite industry. All right. Well, thank you for that, Leslie. I will say that. Uh... Inside Towers has been working with Ericsson on uh, developing a robotic editorial staff, and uh, it's still in its early stages. But uh, we're, we're hoping uh, hoping for good things a year from now. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Thank you, and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. For a complete rundown of the week's news, check out our Saturday edition. We will see you in a week. End. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.